Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of Best Hour of Their Day. We are wrapping up bonus week with my man, Chuck Bennington. Chuck has actually been one of the most requested interviews out of anybody, and it comes as no surprise to me because he's just an incredible human being. You're going to realize that very quickly by listening to this interview. Chuck's an amazing coach. He's an amazing husband. He's just an amazing person. We dive into all things gymnastics. For those of you that know Chuck, you know he's a longtime member of the CrossFit Gymnastics crew. You know, CrossFit went in, they changed some things. There's no longer specialty courses, but there's still the gymnastics crew out there. So Chuck's still traveling the world, teaching gymnastics. He was a box owner for nearly five years. He was the director of operations at GSX CrossFit, which was Jeff Tucker's first box. He helped run the South Central Regional in 2010 and so much more. So I'm going to just let you listen to the interview. Definitely check him out at Chuck Bennington. Check out the gymnastics course out there on social media as well. But he's just a phenomenal dude. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed Bonus Week. I hope you realize these interviews don't just happen out of thin air. These conversations that Fern is having with people like Todd Whitman, the conversations I'm having with Chuck or Stu Brower, Austin Maliolo, Denise Thomas, all these amazing people that we've had on this week and we've had on for the past 50 plus episodes of Best Hour of Their Day are because of you guys. We do it because we love you guys. We do it because we are still, after all these years, just excited to be a part of this amazing community. So thank you for allowing us to do that. Thank you for, you know, it makes it exciting for us when we see the downloads, we see the reviews, we see the shares. When you guys post something on social media, a quote from one of our guests, a quote about something that we said, you know, something that you changed in your life because you heard from us, that's just, that's Honestly, I, I don't know this sounds super cliche, but that's more important than any money that we could ever make. So thank you guys for just allowing us to be a part of your lives here on Best Hour of Their Day. But again, we appreciate everything you're doing out there. So whether it's a sharing of this episode on social media, whether it's a review on Apple Podcasts, we just really want you guys to know that we're grateful for you. And with that being said, here we go. Wrapping up bonus week, you know, maybe you're sitting down watching the CrossFit Games, you got that bad boy on mute, you listen to me and Chuck Bennington just ramble on about life, about community, about CrossFit, and about all the good things that come along with that. So here we go. Hope you've had a great week. Chuck Bennington on best hour of their day. All right, I'm here with Chuck Bennington. Chuck, I'm going to give you a brief introduction, but welcome. Thank you. Thank you. You are currently the lead coach for CrossFit Gymnastics, which means on any given weekend, if someone signs up to learn more about gymnastics, they're going to meet you and improve their pull-up, their planche, their scaling, all the cool things that are coming up on CrossFit.com. Yeah. Um you know, it's coaching education primarily. And if you learn something as a coach, you can at least apply it to yourself as an athlete. So we try to really make sure that we cover both ends of that spectrum. 
in addition to that, you've been a box owner for four and a half years. And then, you know, this is cool stuff that people that maybe haven't heard of you, you've been around a long time. You ran GSX CrossFit with the infamous Jeff Tucker, who will probably be on the show in the near future. And back in the day, much like myself, you ran the old school sectionals. Yeah. Yeah, 2010. So people don't understand that. They're so used to seeing, you know, obviously the games are evolving, right? It's changed. But back in the day, there was probably about two, maybe three years where we actually did our, it was almost like an independent event. We ran our own workouts. Yeah. In other words, we got to decide what the workouts were. They were different in all of the regions around the country, around the world. But then that ultimately fed to the CrossFit game. So I ran the Northeast and we had different workouts and you guys ran the South Central. You guys actually created those workouts. Do you remember what they were? Um, we did. Uh, I probably won't get the order correct, but there was one that was uh, double unders, deadlifts and a sandbag run. Um, there was strict handstand push-ups and muscle-ups. Yeah, man, that was, that, that, uh, that was an interesting event to watch go down. Um, what was the standard? Uh, we used the standard dimension competitive box at that time. Um, but beyond that, it was just, you know, head makes contact in the bottom and then full extension lockout at the top and wait for the rep to be given at the top by the judge um let's see that was that was the final workout it was uh strict handstand push-ups ring muscle ups uh some hang squat cleans or maybe they were from the ground um and then there was a, a trail run slash little hill run um there's a little bit of elevation behind gsx we had done a 10 minute cindy in a weight vest uh, but because Tucker is a gymnastic purist, the pull-up standard was the chin breaking both the horizontal and vertical plane of the bar. So, you know, at the infancy of the butterfly pull-up, when everybody had kind of lost their mind about how fast the cycle time was, a lot of people sort of lost their pull-up in the middle of, you know, what was regionals at that point. So that was, you know, between that and, and a strict handstand push-up, those were the two big gymnastic pieces that I think people were kind of like, oh well, this is very different. Like what happens when the standards change? And so it created some good conversations in the community. Um, we had done a snatch overhead squat complex ladder. Um, I remember the heaviest weights went up to 225, 135, which back at that time, you know, really? those were few and far between lifts to be made in the CrossFit community. So we got to see like some of the first handful of guys and girls making 225, 135 in a competitive, you know, fitness environment. And that was a very cool moment for the community. It was a, there was a lot that was like very special back then. Um, you know, not that it, any of it's not special now, but it's, it's cool to have watched the change and evolution through the years for sure. And then what you're speaking to about the regional directors having different programming, it was always fun to see where those athletes that fed through to the games ended up placing once the programming was standardized you know it was not just a test of the the fitness being balanced for the competitors but it was how balanced the programming was you know the rung before that you know yeah it's funny because yeah you have someone that was great at gymnastics coming out of texas for example they might get demolished at the games and i think i've told the story on the podcast before but 
it was one of the years I was making the workouts and I was on the phone with Dave Castro and I was like trying to come up with the cool workouts, you know, the unique ones. And Dave was on the phone and he literally goes, he goes, why do you hate CrossFit so much? <laughs> and it was like, I was trying to make this cool thing. And he, he actually showed up in our parking lot. That's where the event was. And I remember there's a video of him talking about what he didn't like about the workout. Cause it was like, so contrived and you had to like follow instructions and it was so much different than what what we know to be smart programming now and it's just it just shows how far crossfit has come yeah i mean you know that early on like we were all still learning too like the community was learning as a whole through this you know open source model that's been very cool to watch evolve but you know, we didn't even know what we didn't know as coaches, as gym owners, as athletes. It's uh, It's been a very fun ride to have been involved in all of this for, you know, the better part of like 11 or 12 years now. So Tucker back in the day was very well known, you know, seen all over the place. And I think he's still well known, well respected, but, you know, you used to show up to a gymnastics seminar and you'd see him. He's kind of you know, taking a backseat. He's traveled the world. I remember him, you know, when I first met Tucker, I was hosting the gymnastics seminar in Albany and he flew in from Australia and he was exhausted. And, you know, now you're running it. How did you meet Tucker to begin with? Um, The same way a lot of people made relationships back in the day on the old dot-com message boards, actually. So the old school message board, I don't even know if there's... Oh, they're up there. Are they still up there? You can you can get to them. I was uh I was looking for uh, a a super old post uh, last year when uh, our dog had passed because I'd put some pictures of him up back in 2008, and that's when I was on the message board. And it actually was what led me to my now wife, Vanessa. Um, she was a client at GSX, and she also had a workout log and the message board. So we started interacting through there and Tucker was on the message board and he started coaching me in my gymnastics remotely because I mean, you, you remember 2008 CrossFit, like the list of resources was about, you know, as big as your hands put together. Um, so, you know, Instagram wasn't even a thing. Facebook was just in its infancy. Like there, I think there was maybe three videos about muscle ups on all of YouTube. So I didn't have the resources that all of these, you know, young bucks have now. And so Tucker was, uh, he was kind of helping me with my gymnastics from afar and Vanessa and I started chatting and it kind of worked out well that, uh, January 2nd, 2009, I flew from Sarasota, Florida out to Fort Worth, Texas to do my L1. Um, and then the rest they say is history. So did you fly there specifically to meet with Tucker as well? Uh, yeah, it was Tucker and Vanessa. I got in a day early and we went and had uh, some Mexican food and whiskey because, you know, when in Texas and when with yeah. Tucker, you like, it's either going to be barbecue or Mexican. Whiskey's probably a part of the equation one way or another. And uh, ended up going back out to GSX in Fort Worth um, in March for my weightlifting seminar. And that was a cool time, you know, had uh, had like everybody there. It was Berg, Sage, um Ursula. I mean, just, you know, very, very cool, fond memories of it. And then uh, July 2009 is when I had moved out there to start coaching at Tucker's Box. And so that that's kind of where it all started to fall together. All he from the message coach. board, you know, and then people yeah, man. go find them. I mean, maybe we'll try to post a link in the in the show notes, but 
Yeah, the message. I was a moderator for a small period of time, but yeah, back I remember in the, that back in the day. It was like people had their workout logs on there. Coach Glassman used to post on there, comment on things. Yep. And, you know, and and that's really cool. I mean, you changed your life there, but not just with your job, but with your wife. Yeah, I, and cool. you know, like you've seen it too. Just haven't been around. Like it's it's cool to go back and see like the people that we know now is these, you know, very important figureheads in our community when they were just garage gym and CrossFitters trying to like learn and develop the methodology. And, you know, everybody was making equipment by hand, you know, Rogue wasn't on the scene yet. It was the beginning of again, faster at that point. It's just, uh, it's crazy how much things have changed. And uh, with that, how much of it is still kind of stayed the same, but yeah, a lot of people that are very connected professionally, and maybe outside of the professional life, like my wife and I in an intimate way, but there's a lot of people that connected through those old dot-com message boards and just, you know, post time to comments. Like it, it all kind of started there for a lot of us. Yeah. And, and it's, it's true. I mean, I met the, most of the people that have been on this show from, you know, coach Bergner to David Osorio to Adrian Bosman. Yeah. It was all, it was all people there and, you know, quite a few more still coming on people are like how do you know everybody it's like you're involved in the community and i remember specifically in my life looking up to a man named greg amundsen who yeah on the calendar to be on this show and that name probably does nothing for anyone listening right now right and that that's so unreal to me because you know he was like the original fire breather and he's still and, the man like he's still super oh, yeah fat, still awesome he had a specialty seminar, but I remember when we exchanged phone numbers and I was like, wow, this guy's my friend now. Yeah. And it was like, I looked up to him for years. Oh yeah. Um, I, uh, I met him face to face for the first time, uh, two or three years ago at the SME meeting, um, out in San Diego. And it was just like, wow, man. I remember when I was watching your windows media player videos, just trying to wrap my head around like, how a four minute Fran is even humanly possible. Um, or GI Jane. He had that GI Jane. I, I remember it, man. Oh, that's so funny. And he was switching his grip and I was like, Oh my God, you could switch. Your that's such a good heart. strategy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited to, to have him on because the dude is like doing so many cool things right now, but yeah, he'll be an awesome, awesome interview for you. So, you know, moving out there, you changed this direction of your life. You became part of the gymnastics seminar crew. And a lot of people know you from that. How did, how did it go from like, Hey, I just want to improve my gymnastics to being, I mean, you, this is probably a bold term, but you're like a virtuoso when it comes to gymnastics now. And it's probably, you're going to say, no, I get it. Like to the average person though, you're the shit when it comes to gymnastic movements. How can somebody listening get that good at gymnastics as, as an adult? So I think um, you hit on something that'll, you know, I, I will answer that in depth, but I think it ties back to one of your more recent episodes on empathy and uh, being, being somebody that has gone through the journey and the struggle and the process. Like if I can do it, you can do it. And so for a number of years, I was the black sheep of the gymnastics seminar staff family. And, you know, I was the only guy that hadn't come from a formative gymnastic background. I'm, I'm a former fat kid, non-athlete and like 
CrossFit is what built every bit of like fitness and capacity that I have in my life. Um, so it's, it's understanding, you know, if we want to get into it, like the methodology side, like knowing that what we've got laid out as far to like, you know, the L1 handbook, like it's all in there. And I think that, you know, it, you don't even appreciate the true gold nuggets of wisdom that exist in this community until you've been around for a while. But uh, you look at world-class fitness in 100 words, out of that entire movement list, 50% of the movements are gymnastic movements, which means that like the other 50% is literally everything else, barbell, kettlebell, monostructural stuff, like odd objects. Um, if you look at the hierarchy of athletic development, you know, like gymnastics is very close to the base of all of the cool kids stuff. Um, if you look at the 10 general physical skills, so we talk about this in the seminar, everybody's real good at cardio, stamina, and strength as priorities in their training. They, they neglect, you know, almost deliberately, many clients neglect flexibility and then coordination, agility, balance, and accuracy. And so like, there's these five general physical skills that we need for fitness that people, you know, generally avoid and they wonder why their measures of power and speed aren't improving. So the answer for getting better at gymnastics is really just like do the stuff that you're not doing. And it's really there's a lot of low hanging fruit out there for people, especially once they get a few years into their athlete journey. And maybe the PRs have really slowed down. Um, maybe training is, you know, got a little bit more plateaus than, you know, kind of these peaks of success. If you step back and you objectively look at, you know, your movement list in your programming, similar to that world-class fitness on hard words, if you're, if you're dodging what should be the predominance of the movements in like a good balanced CrossFit methodology program, well, then there's something that you're going to make progress in quickly. If you're, if you're underexposed to a bunch of general physical skills that we know truly build to fitness, there's a lot of easy stuff to make progress in because it's kind of like your first year in CrossFit is the best thing in the world because you're just on a PR train, man. It's like default PR, default PR, default PR. Um, you still have that. Like even after multiple years of CrossFit, if you've never spent any time deliberately working on an element, like there's still a lot of default PRs to have in there. And, and yeah, it's not quite the same to quantify gymnastic progress as it is to quantify barbell or monostructural progress. And I think that's part of the reason that people tend to shy away from it. It's that they don't have this, you know, immediate gratification of another kilo, another pound, a second off, adding a rep. It's like, uh, did I get better? I don't know. You know, I still don't have a muscle. If I'm making any progress towards it, you have to really understand a little bit more of the, the journey versus the destination. Um, and you have to understand that idea of buying into virtuosity. Um, if you can make, you know, incremental improvements in the very basic pieces of human movement and gymnastic shapes, like it all eventually layers on top of itself. And, you know, before you know it, you look up and you're like, holy shit, I can do some pretty cool stuff with my body. And, you know, and what you're saying really lends itself to the black box that I've talked about. I guarantee if all of a sudden you can do a back lever, you're stronger. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um there's, there's like some interesting data points that float around in like the ether of the internet, but for somebody that can do a back lever, like, you know, gymnasts have seen like a very easy correlation of somewhere around like two and a half times your body weight as a deadlift, like somebody that can hit a back lever, even as an untrained individual, they can probably cruise into like initial deadlift exposure being somewhere around like two and a half times body weight, because it's just 
your entire posterior chain, you know, contracting with a ton of midline stability to create, you know, hip and knee extension. And it, you know, um, I, I'll, I'll see if I can dig up a link to that because I think that'd be an interesting thing for some people to see, but that's at least like one specific corollary of body weight strength to barbell strength that I know I've come across a couple times. So, so many follow-up questions to that, but for one, what did you do to improve those movements you know and, and again first of all chuck just dropped a whole lot of knowledge you could stop listening at this point and probably i'm, spend, I'm sorry for no i mean so. you just you know you you drop like half of the what is fitness lecture from the level one part of the gym you know the 10 skills and people need to realize that you know you, you that was really great but cool people are buying so actionable stuff yeah well you know a what is something they can do? Where can they go to learn this? Because I think, you know, snatches and cleans and squats with load have become sexy. And I think part of that sexiness is like you said, I can immediately see my improvement. I had, whether it's a 20 pound PR or a fractional plate PR, you're banging and clanging, you're moving weight and I see it. Where a back lever is going to be, if not, months, years of hanging from a bar, you know, tucking, doing this, doing that. So, so what is something actionable? What can they follow? Do you have a program that they, that they can latch onto or what would you say? Um, yeah, CrossFit Gymnastics has regular skill work that we put out. And for, for a long time, we did, you know, more true, what the community would consider as programming. And we realized that, you know what, like, we're, we're redundant in a lot of what we're delivering in a, a standard program because everybody's already getting in their training components. And so to talk a little bit about like adaptation, I think most of your listeners probably follow. Most people focus on the training aspect. And that's, you know, those things that are going to drive adaptations to our organic pieces, right? And so like, what we're neglecting as a community is practice. And that's the development of a lot of neurological pieces. And so that coordination, agility, balance, and accuracy, that, that is the practice that we need. And practice is hard for a lot of coaches to bring into their boxes initially because people are so sold on like the WAD and the Metcon because, you know, they've seen tremendous improvement in their physiques. They've seen tremendous improvement in their fitness in a quantifiable sense. And practice is a little bit different that you just have to buy into doing the damn thing. Um, and I think that when we do start looking at, hey, as a community, let's practice gymnastics, we still try to train our gymnastics. And so, you know, people want to work on their pull-ups or their toes to bar. And they're like, hell yeah, man, on Monday, I'll hit 100 pull-ups. On Wednesday, I'll hit 100 toes to bar. And it's like, whoa, 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 buddy, back off. Like, spend five to 10 minutes a day working on formative gymnastic shapes or another thing that we really neglect as a community is paying attention to how we make progress with our weightlifting. We don't look at deliberately shortening the range of motion or changing the mechanics aggressively. We figure out how can I reduce load so that I can move through the full range of motion with the full, you know, sequence of human shapes and positions. Well, we can do that with gymnastics but it's getting a spotter. And I think that's a hard thing for a lot of coaches to implement in their box or for a lot of athletes to do initially because they're, they're looking at it in a very different context. Um, you know, how often do you guys pair up athletes on equipment in strength work at a gym? 
why wouldn't you just program some gymnastic strength work and pair people up so that they can spot each other, have more safety. There's incredible social bonding that happens with, you know, hands-on interaction. And they have a chance to move somebody through the full range of motion in the correct sequence of positions and shapes with just a reduced load. And so the same way that we can make a ton of progress in somebody's squat, you can make a ton of progress in a dip or a pull-up by applying the same underlying principles. Um, so, I mean, you know, roundabout, like start treating your gymnastics more like you treat your weightlifting in a gym. And like, you have all of the answers already as, as a community of coaches, we just think about these things applying differently rather than looking at the similarity. You know, and that's a, that's a good point because I think people are afraid like, Hey, if I spot this, I spot that. I don't know what to do. It's like most of the time it just means, Hey, let go of the bar and land on your feet. Not going to be, it's like not that big of a deal. These movements are functional. They're inherently safe. And you learn all that at the, at the CrossFit gymnastics seminar. I mean, you get just as much out of moving your own body as you do learning how to spot and teach other people. So, oh yeah, I think that's a, you know, that's a big missed opportunity for a lot of people to actually improve their own gymnastic movements is not even necessarily going through them as an athlete, but really looking at, you know, coaching and spotting somebody else in it. You, there's a tremendous amount that you can learn through that tactile feedback of seeing where somebody else's body weight shifts on the rings or on a bar. What muscles are firing and contracting? You know, what's the line of action? What shape are they in? Um, I would argue that you could get more from spotting than you would actually get from doing as an athlete. Most of us in our community, like, we get plenty of volume and there's plenty of like reps that go down. We, we do a whole lot of moving, but we don't have a chance with some of these higher level gymnastic pieces to step away and be real, you know, critical thinkers of like, Hey, what, how does this really operate? You know, where, where are these joints and flexion or extension? Like what kind of rotation am I looking at? Um, so yeah, the, the spotting is really undervalued as a way for the actual active participant to make, you know, progress on both sides of the movement. Yeah, I, I love it. I think people, that's a great actionable piece of advice that box owners can take. And we did it, you know, for example, the other day we did uh, weighted strict pull-ups and the guys were throwing weights on and, you know, going heavy. And I had some of the women spot one another, you know, the old school bend your knees, put your feet here and have them work through it. And they had never done that before and they loved it. And yeah, know, man, they get to, they get to like create some true success. And so like, you know, like we both mentioned in this, like you have to kind of find different metrics of progress with gymnastics so that people don't get, you know, super bummed out. They're like, oh, I still can't do a pull up. I suck. And it's like, you just did a bunch of pull ups, but it's just like at a reduced load. And so, you know, I think for coaches, a good way to help your clients wrap their heads around it to have a little bit more buy in. And, you know, without buy in, nothing is successful. So to get your clients to buy into spotting, they need to understand it, that it isn't failure to be spotted. And I think that's why we think about it poorly with a lot of athletes in our community, because they think about spotting a bench press or spotting a back squat that, oh, you know, as soon as somebody's hands came in, like, this did not count. It was not valid. Somebody, you know, saved me from this lift that I had failed. But if we think about it correlated to percentages, that would be like saying, you know, any snatch or clean and jerk that's below 100%, it doesn't count. And it's like that spotter comes in and it's just a reduction in load. The movement itself doesn't change, but like, this is where even for your RX athletes, you know, to be able to be spotted through higher volumes and they could move through unaided, like it's just like getting good 
productive percentage work in for our lifting. We're just doing it with our body weight. And so I think that's kind of a big aha to get some people to look at it a little bit differently. It's, it's not failure. All we're doing is reducing loads so that we can have deliberate stimulus and adaptation relationships and make you a badass athlete while we're also staying super safe. Yeah, I think, you know, that when it comes to that scaling piece, people look at exactly what you're saying. It's like, I can reduce load on the snatch, but they, and they feel like, okay, I'm scaling, but then on pull-ups, it's hard sometimes to reduce load, right? Yeah. Or handstand push-ups, and it becomes, I can't do that movement versus I need to scale it to something that's moving that same range of motion. Yeah. With the push in .com, are you, do you like what you're seeing? Like more, more than I can ever explain to people, because I think, uh, I think a lot of, you know, athletes, coaches, clients, people really undervalue a lot of what's going on right now is the shift towards the health initiative and maybe resetting to some more true old school formative roots of CrossFit that is very gymnastic heavy. Um, the payoff isn't going to be in like two or three weeks where like a lot of people want to smash Metcons and crush weights and clang and bang. Cause they're like, Oh, you know what? Two or three weeks out, like I'm going to PR something big in this. We start looking at, you know, doing scales or just like spending 12 minutes working on stretching. You know, these are things that pay off dividends for the rest of your life. We're looking at, Hey, you know, not, not what are your 30, or 60 day goals, but like looking at programming shifts like this that are more centered on human movement. Now we get to talk about, you know, what are your 30 to 60 year goals? You know, not what you want to be able to crush by this summer, by this local comp. Like, what do you want to be able to crush with your great grandkids? Um, I think that when the community wraps their head around the true benefit of what's going on right now, it'll be one of the most important shifts that we've ever seen in the community that I think will pay off um, tangibly and intangibly for everybody involved, but people are going to have to be a little bit patient and they're going to have to really start thinking big picture about what it means to be fit. And I think of coaches, coaches and box owners, they're really going to have to start looking at true, you know, life cycle of their members. And, you know, like anybody that's done CrossFit for any appreciable length of time, like they're in, like, you can't quit because as soon as you try to like quit, you're going to basically just start crossfitting your bodybuilding or you're going to start crossfitting, you know, <laughs> you're running, you know, and, and it's infectious. And I can only say that because I'm empathetic to it. Um, it's, you know, I have gotten burned out as a coach and an athlete, you know, there can be a point at which like you're doing too much. There is some diminishing returns and there's a lot of wear and tear. It's, it's a lot of work neurologically and physically. There was, there was one point where I went and got a membership at, uh, at an LA fitness on West seventh street in Fort worth. And like, I just needed a break from, you know, the barbells and I needed a break from, you know, the loud music. And I needed just like a little bit of me time, not because anything was necessarily wrong with CrossFit. You know, it was a, it was a personal development piece that, you know, I, I didn't develop the self-awareness in until later, but I went into that LA fitness and I was like, you know what, man, I'm going to do some curls. I was like, uh, I don't even know what a good weight is. I guess I'll grab some 40s, you know, super standard dumbbell weight in CrossFit. So like already, like I probably should have known that something was up, you know, curls. I'm like, well, I don't know what kind of set and rep scheme to use. It's been years since I've done this. And I was like, well, I guess I'll just see how many curls I can get in five minutes. Eight to 12. Like, already, eight to 12. already, I was like on the wrong track. And, you know, 
within within 60 seconds it was max reps hang power cleans two 40 pound dumbbells in five minutes and i was like shit man i made it exactly 0.5 of a workout before like i was right back in because like there's there's so much validity and truth to what we do like all of us we're sold on this whether we want to be or not for the rest of our lives because we know it's the right answer like fitness is full of a bunch of snake oil salesmen and a bunch of silly bullshit and like we've all had the dust and the smoke cleared from before our eyes and like seeing what really can be accomplished and how it goes down. So like you're stuck doing this forever. You might as well enjoy it. Um, and so if we're all going to do CrossFit for as long as we possibly can, dude, get some practice in, work on some stretching, work on some L sits because you've got the rest of your life to do it. There's no, there's no rush to, you know, add those 10 pounds to that lift, you know, before X date unless you're, you know, competing. And that's a little bit different. But when we look at like applying CrossFit as a training practice to be better in a functional fitness way for the rest of your life, man, you've got you've got 50 or 60 good years of this, like, enjoy it, work on feeling better, work on moving better, work on, you know, the community side of things like go hang out with your buddies and like leave feeling better at the end of that hour than you did when you came in. That's some life advice right there, Chuck. And I think, you know, I think the people listening to this are bought in. You know, our listeners are on board. They've been doing this for a while. Maybe they're a coach, a box owner, and they're just like, yeah, I want to be healthy forever. And you're right. Most people don't leave CrossFit and go back to whatever they were doing. You know, they. I think it's cool to take a break and whether it's go to LA Fitness, take a month and do yoga or take a month and I'm just going to be outside. It's summertime. But yeah, CrossFit is... At, you know, at this point, there's there's no debating it. There's no arguing it. It's the best way to be fit for life. It's the best way towards health, as we put it, at the level one seminar. And you're right. I mean, if you, if you want to do more, because I'll tell you, when you're talking about these movements earlier, I'm like, all right, I got excited. I was like, I need to talk to Chuck. I need to get better at these movements. But I love CrossFit. So it's like, cool, let's find 20 minutes to practice every day. What they're putting on .com is exactly what you should be doing. And from a box owner perspective, I think we're realizing very few of our members are there thinking they're going to the games anymore. They understand what's happening. Leave them happier and healthier. And if you get them better at those gymnastic movements, they're going to be long-term members and you're improving their life. And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. And it's nice because, you know, if, if on the client side, you know, I think there's a lot that we need to do to educate our clients in this process to help them find more buy-in to these things that initially aren't sexy. You know, they're not breathing super hard. They're not sweating a ton. They don't get brutally sore, but it's like, Hey, you know, understand where snatching a barbell, doing a muscle up, driving a car and brushing your teeth have more similarity. Like these are learned skills. And so if you can help them really appreciate like the process of skill development, and start thinking about like their experience with fitness being a little bit more like learning to play an instrument, they understand like, oh, you know what, like this is me practicing how to move my body. And the nice thing is like they end up seeing huge tangible benefits to the rest of their fitness experience, you know, really doubling down on your gymnastics. Guess what? You're going to be better at weightlifting. Guess what? Like you're going to be able to crush, you know, Fran, Elizabeth, Diane, like these standard benchmark girl workouts like that have huge gymnastic biases in them spending some time practicing, like you do get to see this really easy, very quantifiable metric of fitness improving. Um, and really, it, it comes faster than I think most people would believe, but it's because they don't take that time to practice to have any basis for comparison. 
I would say the only basis for comparison that we have as coaches and as athletes in the community is during the open. Look at the amount of gymnastic progress that somebody can make in four days when a movement comes up in the open. You know, they'll make more progress on toes to bar from Thursday to Monday than they made in, you know, six or seven months prior. And the only things that had to change is they had to give a shit to really want to be better. And they just had to practice three or four days in a row. And they're like, oh man, you know, I went from two toes to bar to now I can string a set of 15. And it's like, well, if you just would have cared a little bit more about pursuing virtuosity and you would have been willing to find frequency over volume or intensity, like these gains were waiting for you the whole time. Yeah. I mean, that's every year the Open's notorious for first of this, first of that, bar muscle up, ring muscle up. I love what you just said. That was really classic, actually. You just had to give a shit. Um, And I think I want to go back to something you said, because you said people love to train, not practice. And so they understand the difference. You know, oftentimes it's like, I need to get better pull-ups. Like you said, I'll do a hundred pull-ups or, or classic volume training. I'll do five on the minute for 20 minutes, or I'll do three till I can get to, you know, first of all, I just called it volume training. I didn't call yeah. it volume training. Training helps you develop some of those skills, but the, biological the organic ones if you've gone to your level one you understand this practice helps you develop your neurological skills your balance accuracy agility and coordination and those are vital because we talk about in the middle power and speed if you in the example i like to use is the snatch where i say hey if all you ever do is train the snatch are you going to get better yeah you're going to get stronger no different than if all you ever did was practice the snatch, are you going to get better? Yeah, your foot position is going to get better. Coach Bergner was on here talking about missed lifts come from foot position, but you need both. And most people don't like to practice. Yeah. And practice keeps you safe, but practice gets you better. And, and I think that's a great analogy that I'm going to throw out to the box there. Yeah, it, I love it. Whether it's practicing an instrument or brushing your teeth, I always relate things. Parents are easy. like you know, people come, they, they don't want to scale. They don't want to do this. And I'm like, well, would you let your kid get away with that? If they were unhappy, would you be like, Hey, you can give up. You don't have to go to school anymore. <laughs> and they're like, no, I'm like, well, why can you do that? You know? Right. And I think that's like part of, you know, the, the real adaptations that all of us see is like, you know, the between the ears stuff, like fitness builds better humans because it teaches you about perseverance. It teaches you about grit and determination and consistency. Like the human characteristics that really define us like improving on a deep level, those are, those are also hidden in a lot of gymnastic stuff. That is also like the physiological stuff of being better for the rest of your life. You know, you and I have spent big chunks of our life in Florida. You know, what's unique about Florida, like that's where people go to hang out waiting to die. And like, you get to really see people that have prioritized gymnastics in some form or fashion and, and I think we overcomplicate like what we think about as gymnastics. Like it's just moving your body. Don't get weird. But like people that prioritize like moving their body get to do really cool, fun, amazing things for their entire life. But a lot of people that neglect that, they end up, you know, a day late and a buck short. And like that is for sure not how I want to spend my 70s, 80s and 90s, you know, in, in assisted living, having somebody else wipe my ass or get me in and out of a chair like you might not want to practice gymnastics now and you might want to train it. It's because you're thinking about, you know, a hundred pull-ups or a hundred toes to bar, 30 muscle-ups. You're not thinking about 
being fit for a lifetime, having health, like being able to see multiple generations of your family exist. Like those are the big PRs. Um, I, there's something really beautiful about gymnastics. And I think it's a lot of like the human development that we get um, physically, neurologically. Uh, there's a lot about community that I don't think we appreciate with gymnastics, but I don't know, man, I could talk about it all damn day. Yeah. I mean, just so you, the listeners are aware, as I go through the interview, I'm taking notes and I'm bolding things that I think this would be a great clip and I've got like seven already from you. So it's like, <laughs> it's, it's tough because you're, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I joke about like, you know, everybody moves to Florida and then they die. Like there's something wrong in Florida. <laughs> but it's sharks. It's, you know, it's old people <laughs> down here and it's my step grandmother is in assisted living and I, hate visiting it visiting her there because it's depressing these people are there mentally yeah. and i went there a couple of weeks ago and they're they were literally these are adult human beings sitting in chairs kicking a beach ball like that was their activity for the day yeah and man. I, and, you know i was with my mom and i said to my mom i was like if i'm ever like this like someone needs to shoot me and yeah because i don't want to be there and it, sure you need to be able to lift weights if you can't deadlift your body weight at some point that's a problem as well but we put so much i mean look at people that are like i'm tight this mobility that you, you think that's going to get better as you get older you know gymnastics <laughs> is one of the best ways to get mobile for your body but you're also getting better at a skill you're not just slapping a band on a rig and stretching right but no one wants to do skin to cats yeah which, you know, like that would, would make quantifiable progress in literally every area of their life. And I know a lot of people are like, well, that, that's a fucking stretch. You know, you're just trying to sell it. Like, man, I, there, there is no benefit in my life for you being healthier. But like, I promise you these things to be true. Like, you want to be able to reach from the driver's seat into the backseat without your shoulder hating you? You know, you want to be able to take your shirt on and off without like gross AC impingement? Like, or do you want to, you know, snatch more, clean and jerk more and like walk on your hands? Like, I promise you all of those things are improved by something like a skin the cat, not detrimented by it. You know what? You got me fired up. I go coach soon. I'm incorporating <laughs> something today. And that's all you have to do. It doesn't mean today has a double unders toast. There we go. Toast the bar. We'll, we'll spot that a little bit. You know, we can help people tuck their knees a little higher, get their toes up a little further, work on their candlesticks, but all, all things that are going to lend themselves to something else. And, you know, we, I think this has become a knowledgeable interview, but we talk about universal motor recruitment pattern at the level one and people are often like, they're kind of left with that. And it's like, what is that? And that means these yeah. movements all lend themselves to one another. And the example I use is that hollow hold. And all my hollow jokes, by the way, come from Tucker. You know, you had me at hollow <laughs> and hollow back you know all those things every time i say hollow i throw out one of those but that's the same position as the kip as the toes to bar which also happens to be the same position as your handstand push-up which also happens to be the same position as your overhead movements and your thrusters right so if you're improving your gymnastics which is oftentimes also less wear and tear on your body and you can by the way do it at home anywhere Right. In your bed, you know, in your hotel room. Why wouldn't you be doing that? I think that's great to to hear. And it's cool to see also, you know, some of the best athletes in the world. You know, I follow a lot of MMA and Con Conor McGregor was 
bringing in, you know, Ido Portal. Ido Portal, man. Yeah, who's, you know, movement specialist, not necessarily, it's controlling your body, right? It's gymnastics. And if one of the best fighters of our generation is finding the importance of it, I think we should as well. Well, I mean, even if you look at, you know, like Arnold in his heyday, like he would go to ballet classes, you know, for like a dude whose entire mission is to just be like the most jack yoke human on the planet, you know, when he was busy winning Mr. Olympia, it's like if he sees enough value and benefit from working on those neurological components and then adding flexibility to it, like it should tell you something that like there there is nobody that is exempt from the potential benefits of working on just moving your body better, like any realm whether it's athletic or otherwise, like you, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain by spending just a little bit more time working on your gymnastics. Um, you hit on something really awesome and just the, the, the universal side and the transfer side, the most actionable practical thing I could give any coaches listening to this, just throw in some hollow and arch work in your warmups more often than not. If you did that three or four times a week, you had people working on some hollow holds and some arch holds or arch rocks, hollow rocks, whatever your flavor is, you are going to see benefits across the board in everybody's gymnastics, but also in all of their external object loading. Because if you look at, you know, as we move through anything that we're doing in real life or CrossFit, your spine is moving through some degrees of flexion and extension with some amount of bracing in the midline. And so like, you don't have to wait for workouts. Like you've got toes to bar today, you know, in, in your class piece, your, your coaches, like they don't need to only find gymnastic workouts to work on some gymnastic skill pieces in warmups and in skill transfer sessions, because it already automatically shows up in everything else that we do. So like, you don't have to wait for the toes to bar to work on some hollow and arch stuff in a warmup or a skill work piece, throw it on, on a day with kettlebells, throw it on, on a day with barbells, you know, it, and I it, challenge it, the listeners to see that. Like, as you say kettlebell, I immediately see the hollow and the, and the Superman position, the arch, right? Because when that bell's overhead, how many people create that neutral spine? Most people are in slight overextension there. So absolutely. And, I, and I'll tell you this, I do that all the time, probably because I learned it from you guys and Tucker. But also people love that because they feel it in their abs. Dude, that, like, you know, like you, they think they're you talk about like... Back. Yeah, like making your clients happy, you know, giving them that best hour of their day. Like there, there is an art to being able to give people what they want in order to get them what they need. They yeah. need midline stability. They need a safe, healthy spine. They need good disc and vertebrae relationships. None of your clients really give a shit if you're talking about it that way. You're like, hey, man, you want to feel your abs light up? Work on that core, bro. Summer's almost here. They're like, oh, dude, let's shred abs. And you're like, all right, cool. Tabata, I mean, Tabata hollow is one of the best. And brutal, so, brutal. Or uh, I do that a lot because, you know, I, I coach twice a week and I love it. It's one of my, you know, two of my favorite hours of the week. And I try to maximize that hour. So I'll, if I have four minutes, I throw that in all the time in the warmups. I'll do like the, you know, call it out hollow, Superman hollow, roll right, roll left. And their abs get lit up. They love it. Or even just, I brought out the parallettes a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, man. Some of the dudes that think they're strong couldn't even hold it with their knees bent. Yeah, that's uh, you know, and if if we're looking at like performance athletically, if we're looking at safety for our client base, like 
it's another win for gymnastics. Like you want to build bulletproof athletes that also get to, you know, crush everything fitnessy. It's, it's always the gymnastics, you know, what separates huge chunks of placing on a leaderboard always, regardless of it being, you know, a local competition or the open or the games, like something gymnastic is the differentiator, but that's also, you know, what allows your great grandma to be able to sit up out of bed or roll, do a push up, and then like, you know, get into a standing position to go about her day. It, it's both ends of the spectrum. It's, I don't know, man, it gets me so fired up. I'm sorry. I get ranty. I love it. <laughs> I love it. You know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking it's like, who looks the most like CrossFitters? Gymnasts. For sure. You know, most people, when they think of their ideal body, it's, it's a gymnastics body. It's what the, you know, it's men gymnasts for the guys. It's the females for the, for the girls. And, um, and what they can do is impressive. You can take it on the dance floor. And yeah, man. It'll, it'll help you smash PRs. It'll help you make babies. Gymnastics is sexy. And like, you know, it's safe. Um, you know, I like to always kind of think about like what I can do to be a value to like coaches and box owners. Something that's really important to think about with gymnastics is like, it's not intimidating to new clients. You know, like if you have somebody new show up and on day one, like you've got snatches going on, like that's, that's a weird, difficult, awkward thing for somebody to wrap their head around. And it's also hard for them to see like, what's the benefit in it? Like, why should I even care about snatching? you can obviously do a ton of education in that, but like, that's a really hard thing to do in a short amount of time. If you got Cindy going on, it, it is, it is almost just like inevitable to somebody to make the own, their own correlation as to like why this is important. Like, Oh, pull up a push up a squat. Like, can you get up and down? Can you push yourself up and down? Can you pull yourself up to something like, cool. Now I understand how CrossFit makes me better outside of the gym. Um, so you get like a big bonus of safety. There's tons of extra, proficiency in the skill development neurologically you get to work on people's connective tissue like there's I don't know I would say at this point like it would be inexcusable as a coach or a box owner that claims to really care about people to not do a pretty significant amount of gymnastics I feel like it's almost irresponsible to shy away from it and the reason we see boxes shy away from it is because their coaches are missing competence in coaching the gymnastics. I think a lot of people move into coaching and they're like, man, it makes me so nervous to think about teaching somebody to snatch or overhead squat. And after a few months of coaching, they're like, oh, you know what? Like coaching weightlifting comparatively is like fairly simple. Like I can give you a piece of PVC and we can go from never having even heard of a snatch before to some rough form of a snatch in like 30 minutes or less money back guaranteed. But you look at something like a muscle up or toes to bar and you're like, hey, potentially weeks, months or years to get this. And like coaches don't understand like how they can explain the benefit of it, but how they can also build logical, safe, sequential progressions to those movements. So that like their clients are moving rapidly towards success in that. And so like they go to like what's easy, what they know. It's like, hey, man, I know I can give this client a quick win. They can throw some weight on the bar or they can take a couple seconds off this run or row time cool. I sold them the, you know, they get a win. I get to be the one that gave them a win. Like it's an easy ego stroke for both parties. Gymnastics is like, you better fucking humble yourself as an athlete and a coach. But the benefit in that for people that derive their livelihood from coaching is like, cool. Then you're not working on people's 60, you know, day goals. Like you can work on a 60 year goal. You can help your clients think about, Hey, how do you want to, you know, build this progression towards your muscle up? That's going to take us probably three or four years. 
Like that's a way better client to work with because they're already looking at a very long-term relationship with you as a service provider. And they're starting to understand the long-term nature of pursuing fitness for a lifetime with their own bodies. So like they make smarter, more responsible decisions and how they work on, you know, scaling load. And you get to, as a service provider, build somebody that's already looking at this financial transaction relationship across multiple years. And I mean, I would, I would much rather have that as a business owner or a coach, you know, getting paid, like not helping you figure out abs by 4th of July, but helping you figure out like, you know, building a muscle up over the course of four years. Like that's a pretty cool place to be in. That is, that is a great place to be. And you're, you're just challenging yourself as a coach. I think that's something you said that's important. If, if this is truly your passion, you know, I've had some of the best coaches in the world on here. And if you're not trying to learn new things, that's a problem. You know, the average CrossFit coach can coach all the barbell movements, but can you coach a lever? And if you can't, that's a chink in your armor and that's a weakness and no different than your fitness. You should be chasing after those weaknesses. Yeah. And like you said, you know, you made a reference into just like the kettlebell swing, being able to see hollow and arch positions. If you really double down on building your skill set with coaching gymnastics, all of a sudden you have a great ability to develop your coaching eye and spot flaws in just basic human shapes and sequences where like what you develop as a coach teaching people gymnastics will pay for itself 10 times over on barbell and kettlebell pieces. And it almost like if you could do one thing to accelerate all of your progress as either an athlete or a coach, doesn't matter, like go hard on the gymnastics from a learning perspective for a few months. And it will, it will give you years worth of experience and development either as a coach or an athlete. So there's like really no reason not to. You've said a lot, Chuck, and I think you've um, probably gained some new fans. We can continue to talk about this forever, but I think one cool thing we can do in the future is have you on and we can dissect some of the gymnastic movements and maybe talk about how to go about teaching it. Dude, I would love that. So love we'll do it. that in the future. But I always ask every guest on here, what's a book you recommend that the listeners check out? And it doesn't have to be a gymnastics book, just any book you love. Um, something timely and it, it seemed to have resonated with a lot of people um, based on an Instagram post I did the other day. Uh, building a story brand by I think Donald Miller or potentially David Miller. I'm actually um, in the middle of that right now. I think you're the, I forget what other guests mentioned it, but I think it was EC Sinkowski actually. She brought that up and Roz and I were already reading it. So great book. I highly agree with you. Yeah. I think that it really lends itself to some of that like empathy and care side of things because you know as coaches like you can have all the best answers in the world you know especially specific to gymnastics that's a hard thing to get your clients and athletes to buy into especially when they suck at it especially when you start talking about like hey you're probably not going to hit this goal for four or five years but if you can develop your ability to see things in a story context and start recognizing how you guide people on their own journey um it will it will it will be an invaluable piece of your skill set that there really isn't a way to quantify, but it definitely will accelerate your process in creating and deepening relationships with your clients and athletes. I, I really enjoy that book and I highly recommend if whether you're a coach or just a, like you said, just trying to develop that empathy, it, it'd be a great tool to just improve your life. Check that out and check out Chuck. Where can they find you on Instagram? Uh, at Chuck Bennington. It's it's pretty easy peasy. It's my name. I love it. And then 
Where else can they find you? They can check out CrossFit Gymnastics. Um, like you CrossFit mentioned. Gymnastics is at CF Gymnastics. Uh, we post an insane amount of progressions and skills and scales. And I would say that the CrossFit Gymnastics Instagram is the single best resource that exists on all of the internet for the gymnastics specific to what we do in CrossFit and pursuing fitness. There's a lot of great fitness resources in the world. There's a lot of great gymnastic resources in the world, but we fit a very unique piece of our little niche that we understand what it means to work on developing your gymnastics as a mixed modal athlete. Um, and that could be an entirely separate podcast and conversation, but, um, I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but yeah, man, we, we know what you guys are doing. We know what that struggle is like, you know, most of our staff owns gyms. Everybody on our staff has been coaching, you know, general population people for years and years and years. It is, it is not hypothetical advice that just seems like it might be a good fit in the context of being a specialty education piece. Like we go deep into the weeds on like how to really get a bunch of people that generally don't initially care about gymnastics to really buy into practicing and uh, finding that virtuosity. I love it, Chuck. I appreciate you being on here and you will be on again. Um, I appreciate you, man. You're doing something that is very near dear to my heart. I'm, I'm happy to see other people, you know, deep in the, in the coaching world like ourselves that are trying to make sure that we, we round out the the fitness of the coach, you know, with their delivery, with their communication, with their leadership. Everybody's got a tons of technical knowledge. Um, we need to help people figure out, you know, the developmental and transformational side of like connecting with their people a little bit better. You know, it's 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 just like training. Everybody wants to work on the sexy stuff, <laughs> but you know, and then I'll, I'll I'll take that one step further. It's that non sexy stuff that really relates to the rest of your life. Like you said, hundred percent. If you want to, you know, be wiping your own ass, or you want to be in a strong marriage, right? It's the things you don't want to work on that get you there. That was deep. We just had a really deep conversation. I enjoyed it. I can, if I didn't, you know, to- that might be a fun episode to do. Is like the a relationship meets coaching episode. Like you know, coaching your wife or coaching your girlfriend or vice versa. No, because here's how that goes. Don't do it. Oh, dude, you know, there, there is a way, man. I mean, it, it, it's that hard stuff that nobody wants to work on. But if, if you can get to where you can coach your significant other in like a healthy, productive manner and like nobody gets slapped or stabbed or shot, like you figured out everything you need to, like with communication and leadership and empathy, that's, that's the ultimate test. I'll give you that. I like that. Maybe it will <laughs> be a future topic. Um, I don't know if I'm qualified to do it just <laughs> Roz hates when I coach her, but. We'll, we'll see. But I appreciate you being on here, Chuck. So thanks Dude, again. Thank you so much, man. Genuinely, like from the bottom of my heart, thank you for what you're doing. It is it is important um, on a level that most people probably don't understand or appreciate just yet. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. And just so you guys know, it is bonus week. We're going to be bringing you an episode every day, Monday through Friday this week, and we've got some great, great interviews and episodes coming your way. Check out besthouroftheirday.com if you haven't already, and you can find us on social media at besthouroftheirday or email us besthouroftheirday at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.